Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Space News Pod, a daily podcast about space, science, and tech. I'm your host, Will Walden. Today's episode is very special. Jim Bridenstine had a press conference today about the new space launch system that NASA will be using to send the first woman and the next man to the surface of the moon in 2024. That all went down today, and I'm posting this for you so you can hear exactly what's going on with NASA and the Artemis mission. It's better to listen to the whole thing. There's some intricacies in there that I wouldn't be able to uh, get into without uh, the the brilliance of these NASA folks. So here you go. Here's Jim Bridenstine and the latest about the Space Launch System and the Artemis program straight from NASA. I'd like to take some time to acknowledge and welcome some special guests that we have, some distinguished visitors, specifically three congressmen from the area. I would like to welcome and introduce uh, Senator Mo Brooks from Alabama, uh, Senator Robert Adderholt from Alabama, and Senator Scott Desjolais from Tennessee. So please welcome them to hear the, the discussion today. So I'd like to also welcome the many uh, elected officials here. I'd like, I can't go through them all, but we do have several state and local officials, so you're welcome and pleased that you're participating in this event today. Also, the staff folks from various congressional and senate offices, we appreciate your support of this. We also appreciate the industry partners here supporting this activity today. So with that, the backdrop for our discussion today is the structural test article for the hydrogen tank of the Space Launch System. The Space Launch System is the world's most powerful launch vehicle ever developed and soon to fly, and it will be our backbone for the transportation system to Moon and Mars. So as I noted, the Artemis program is really how the agency will move forward to the, for a human return to, to the Moon, a human on the South Pole, and the paving the path forward to Mars. So the structure you see behind us is really the backbone that will move us forward in that, launching soon to a theater in your neighborhood. So with that, I'd like to go ahead and uh, introduce and turn this over to the NASA Administrator. He will give us the big picture on how both Marshall Space Flight Center fits into the Artemis program, and our Artemis program will move us forward as an agency to the moon. So with that, please give a warm welcome to Administrator James Bridenstine. Thank you, Paul, and uh, thank you for your great leadership here at the Marshall Space Flight Center. Um, this is, of course, Rocket City, and what happens here in Huntsville, Alabama, is important for our country today, but I would say the history is also extremely significant, and of course, we just celebrated 50 years of Apollo. We celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing, uh, and it was witnessed not just throughout the entire United States, it was witnessed all over the world. I don't know how... I, we had, I think, something like 28 billion impressions. And just to be clear, there's only like 8 billion people on the Earth, which means that here we are 50 years after Apollo, and it is still having a significant impact on people all over the world and on America's youth, the next generation, the generation we need to take us back to the moon. Behind us, of course, is the hydrogen tank uh, for the SLS rocket, which is a critical piece of what we're gonna to need to go back to the moon. But imagine this, the hydrogen tank is just one, one small piece of that rocket. 
you're going to have an engine section with four RS-25 engines, the same engines that were on the space shuttle. On top of the hydrogen tank will be an inner tank, and then an oxygen tank, and then a forward skirt. And then on top of the forward skirt, of course, is where we're going to have the Orion crew capsule, where our astronauts will ride on a trip to the moon. Interestingly, once they're at the moon, they're going to get into this, what we, what we call gateway. Think of a, a small space station in orbit around the moon, a reusable command and service module that will be in orbit around the moon for 15 years at least, minimum. It's designed for 15 years. Once they're on that gateway, they're going to transfer into what we're here to announce today, a landing system, a human landing system that will take the next man and the first woman to the south pole of the moon within five years. And that's what we're doing here at NASA today. That landing system is going to be led out of the Marshall Space Flight Center right here in Huntsville, Alabama. Now, I will say that um, this is not a decision that was made lightly. A lot of hard work has been done here in Huntsville over really well over 10 years now regarding landing systems. Going back to the International Lunar Network, which resulted in the Mighty Eagle Lander, which I just had the opportunity to see, and of course that lander flew uh, about 40 times uh, a few short years ago. And then from there, Huntsville got involved in, uh, I, I would say, designing a lander that was going to take the resource prospector uh, ultimately to the moon. And that particular lander, think about this, the resource prospector. Why is that important? What is it going to be prospecting for? In 2008 and in 2009, we discovered hundreds of millions of tons of water ice on the south pole of the moon. Forty years after Apollo, we discovered hundreds of millions of tons of water ice on the south pole of the moon. Water ice represents air to breathe, water to drink. It is, in fact, rocket fuel. The same oxygen and hydrogen that powered the space shuttles. It's the same hydrogen and oxygen that will power the space launch system, and it's available in hundreds of millions of tons on the south pole of the moon. That's what the resource prospector was all about, and here in Huntsville, the design and, and development of that landing system uh, happened. Uh, and of course, then we had the Catalyst program, which resulted in a whole host of commercial capabilities uh, that is now uh, become the CLIPS program, the Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program, which is managed out of the Johnson Space Center. Uh, but ultimately, all of that knowledge is going to feed forward to what ultimately becomes the human landing system, which is going to be managed right here in Huntsville, Alabama. I think it's also important to note um, that, uh, that that particular program is going to be managed by Lisa Watson Morgan, uh, who was born <laughs> right here in northern Alabama, and we're very proud of her and the great work she's done for many years for NASA, and now she's going to be, imagine this, we are landing the next man and the first woman. The program that will be managed here in northern Alabama is going to land. The first woman on the south pole of the moon and that landing system is being managed. The program management is by one of NASA's best engineers right here, uh, and she just so happens to be a woman. So what a great American, American story for, for NASA. 
I would like to say um, we've had great um, support from members of Congress on both sides of the aisle in both chambers, the House and the Senate. Um, and without that amazing support, bipartisan, uh, we would not have the opportunities that we have before us today to not only go back to the moon, but go back to the moon sustainably. In other words, when we go to the moon, we're going for long periods of time, and we're going to learn how to live and work on another world. Why? Here's the question. Why? I don't know if anybody saw yesterday, but the president said it again, and he keeps saying it, because it's true. We are going to place an American flag on Mars. And the moon is how we learn how to live and work. We learn how to develop the systems and the capabilities that ultimately make us go to, the, go to Mars as fast as humanly possible. And that activity, of course, um, is going to be dependent on the capabilities that reside right here in northern Alabama at the Marshall Space Flight Center. So with that, I want to introduce you to uh, a number of members of Congress. But to start, I want to start with my friend, uh, Mo Brooks, who represents the Marshall Space Flight Center right here in Alabama. It's a pleasure to be here at the Marshall Space Flight Center with you today. Uh, sometimes you have unexpected results from political battles. I don't know if you're aware, but we, many decades ago, had a major political fight. There was a national infrastructure program that was going to be uh, built someplace, and our community lost. Uh, the wind tunnel ended up in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Uh, we came in second, and the second place prize were a bunch of German rocket scientists. Gosh, have we made the best of that losing proposition in our community. Uh, those German rocket scientists in the early 60s, uh, at the instance of John F. Kennedy and the uh, mission to the moon uh, that he was able to get underway, uh, put us in a position where we were able to do as a nation something no other nation had done. Now, by way of backdrop, I grew up in this community, and I well remember not too many distances from here, yards, miles, we had the uh, Apollo rockets tested on a regular basis. And I'm two or three miles to the east of us, uh, our house in uh, South Huntsville, and the earth would shake, the dishes would rattle in the cabinet, sometimes things would fall out. And that's one of my earliest memories as a young man um, living in Huntsville, Alabama. I very well remember in 1969 when all that work that we put into the space program came to fruition with 50 years ago, our landing on the moon and the pride that I felt in America and the inspiration I felt about American exceptionalism and the role that we played in this community in the Tennessee Valley and Marshall Space Flight Center, quite frankly, being the birthplace of America's space program, hence the name Rocket City. Uh, fast forward uh, a little bit uh, to today. Today is a great day for the Tennessee Valley and Marshall Space Flight Center. It's a great day in large part because of another political decision akin to John F. Kennedy's in the 1960s. We have decided that we as a country are going to do something that only one other country in history has done. And that other country was us. And we did it a half century ago. No other country has been able to do it in 50 years, what we were able to accomplish in the 1960s. And that's to go back to the moon and put a facility on the South Pole, have a space station that is able to revolve around the moon in lunar orbit and send astronauts to rendezvous with that space station as a place to stop 
before going to the moon, landing on the moon, doing the research that we're going to do on the moon, getting back on that space station, and then heading back to Earth. That is an incredible achievement that we seek on behalf of our country. And I'm thankful that NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine recognized the talent that we have here in the Tennessee Valley, uh, in Marshall Space Flight Center, particularly the intellectual talent. Many of you may not know this, but we have the highest concentration of engineers in the United States of America. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I get back, we're going to have some more space news. We have scientists, we have physicists, we have mathematicians. We have what we had in the 1960s, and that's the brain power to take on this mission and to get it done. So, Jim, thank you so much for recognizing our community and what we have to offer for the United States of America in this endeavor. Now, let me talk about Artemis just a little bit. Certainly, it helps that we've got a president of the United States that sees the value of this effort, not only to the United States of America, but also humankind and the scientific advancement that's going to go with that. But it's also important that we have congressmen and senators who are willing to put together the funding that is necessary to make this happen. And the funding is significant. We're talking about in the first year roughly $1.6 billion to make sure that we're on track to return to the moon by 2024. Over that five-year period, we're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 to $30 billion. And let me emphasize that that has to be over and above what we're already spending on the science that NASA does, not only for our country, but also for the planet. That is a significant commitment, and I hope that Congress will be in a position to recognize the value, the advancements that we undoubtedly are going to have, as we've had over the last 60 years because of everything that NASA has done for us. On a more microscopic level, uh, what's that going to do for the Tennessee Valley and Marshall Space Flight Center? The project that is being announced today uh, that Jim Bridenstine has selected for our community is roughly 360 jobs, roughly 140 that will be at Marshall Space Flight Center, with the other 220 spread out, as it should be, amongst various other NASA centers throughout the United States of America. For emphasis, each of those centers offers something to this mission. And I thank them for the involvement that they're going to have, but also thank NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine for selecting our community for taking the lead role. And I think it's poetic that the birthplace of America's space program is also the birthplace of the project manager who is going to lead this effort and coordinate those 360 employees with Lisa Watson Morgan. She was born in our community. I think that's fantastic. She went to Butler High School. She got an engineering degree from the University of Alabama. That's a little bit of oddity. Around here, that's normally from Auburn. Uh, but Alabama is also known to have a good engineering school. That's not necessarily well known around the United States of America. So I want to thank her for uh, the achievements and success that she's had in the past that shows that she is fully capable of taking on this major project so that we can successfully return humanity to the moon and back and learn a whole lot along the way. So, Jim, thank you for everything that you're doing to advance NASA and the space program. Good luck with the mission that you're going to have as the new project manager. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you, Mo Brooks. Okay, so Mo has the, uh, the pleasure of representing the uh, Marshall Space Flight Center right here in Huntsville. 
Um, but Alabama has another very uh, special member of Congress, the person who is the ranking member on what we call the Commerce Justice Science Appropriations Committee. In other words, um, he has the responsibility for funding or at least being a part of the funding of NASA. And I will tell you, he's been a great supporter of NASA throughout the years, even during my days in the House of Representatives, and of course now more than ever. Uh, please welcome Robert Adderholt uh, from Alabama, the 4th District. Administrator, and uh, we're, it's great to be here today. It's great to be right here in front of the hydrogen tank for the SLS rocket, and uh, what a great backdrop. And it, uh, I'm real honored to be here along with my colleagues, of course, with Administrator Jim Bridenstine, but also with uh, Mo Brooks, who you've just heard from. And then just in a few minutes, you'll hear from our other colleague, Scott Desjardins from Tennessee, who is just literally uh, just a few miles north of here. And uh, the reason that uh, we this is a coll collaborative effort uh, for support for Congress. Um, of course, Marshall is here in the 5th Congressional District, but uh, Marshall Space Flight Center impacts the entire uh, region. Not only North Alabama, but even Southern Tennessee. And by Congressman Desjardins being here and joining us today, you know the impact that this, this has and what NASA has and what Marshall has for this region. And, of course, uh, the uh, big uh, announcement that we've heard today and from uh, the administrator is about the lunar landing uh, will be headquartered here at Marshall. And as it has already been said, and the president reminds people quite often, that uh, he wants to see boots on the moon in 2024. That has energized Congress. That has energized the American people. That has energized NASA. And uh, in order for that to happen, in order for you have uh, man, uh, a man and woman on the moon in 2024, you've got to have a lunar lander. And that's what will take place here. And uh, I'm very thankful for the announcement for, from the administrator here uh, this afternoon about that and how that will even further impact this area and this region and, uh, and not only the state of Alabama, but like I said, Tennessee and beyond. And I think what is uh, important to know is that uh, this uh, project, this lunar lander, has been said, uh, all of the NASA agencies work together. This is not where Marshall does everything. They do only a part of it. But propulsion is a big part of the lunar lander. And, of course, Marshall has been well known over the years and over the decades, uh, ever since Apollo, for their work on, uh, on propulsion. And so... Uh, we look forward here at, uh, at the Marshall Space Flight Center to work with uh, the sister uh, agencies, whether it be Houston, whether it be uh, uh, Kennedy, whether it be uh, Glenn, wherever the other facilities are working together as a unit because this has to be a collaborative effort. This is not just one uh, place, but to all of our colleagues working together, and it, we has to be a team sport, and so I look forward to working with my other colleagues to make this happen. One last thing, let me just say that uh, what's important is that uh, uh, we have the funding to make this happen. I have the privilege to chair, as uh, the administrator mentioned, the uh, or the, to be the ranking member of the uh, committee that funds NASA, the Commerce Justice Science, and we want to make sure that NASA and everyone that works at NASA has the, the resources they need and make sure that the taxpayers' dollars is used wisely. And being here today, we know that we have a vision. We know that we know where we're going and where we want to be uh, by 2024. So uh, 
the request that uh, NASA has put in through the administrator for $1.6 billion will make that happen. And so uh, we're calling on our colleagues, as I know my colleagues with me today are fully supportive of that, how we can make that happen, and we can make sure that NASA has the resources to make sure that the president's vision to have a man and a woman on the moon on the south pole of the moon by 2024 happens. So thank you, everyone that's connected directly or indirectly with NASA. It is a big impact for our state, for our region and uh, for uh, the entire area, like I said, well beyond Alabama. So uh, this is just great news for all of America. So thank you for letting me be here. Look forward to working with you on the preparation side and to look forward to being back as we continue this mission. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Ranking Member Adderholt, for those great words. Um, one thing I did not know uh, when we decided we were going to make this announcement is just how important um, this mission is to folks in southern Tennessee. Uh, and of course, we got uh, a request from uh, a member of Congress who I consider a good friend as well, uh, Scott Desjardins. Uh, thank you so much for being part of this in, in northern Alabama, and I'd like to welcome you forward and talk to us about why your constituents are so interested in this. If you go to a uh, thank you, Administrator. Bridenstine, we certainly miss him on the Armed Services Committee. I uh, talked to him earlier today. He's glad he's here and not there right now with uh, the, the way things have been going in Washington. But it's very important to southern middle Tennessee, and I'd say that uh, my colleagues across Tennessee in our delegation and our Senate are very supportive and would be lockstep with this program. So it's an honor to be here, for, first of all, with, with some of the brightest and best minds anywhere in the world. It's always a great day when you get to come and be so humbled by all these folks. But what an important program we have here in Tennessee. We've been working hard to develop our, our STEM workforce and education programs so we can be helpful with the Artemis program. Uh, the facility that Mo mentioned earlier, I'm proud to represent a, a portion of the Arnold uh, Air Force Base and AEDC, which is instrumental in a lot of what we do here. And so with uh, about 6,000 of my constituents making the commute every day down here to Redstone, a lot from Fayetteville and Lincoln County, we're very excited about the development, and uh, you know, I, I'm very proud to be down here. I think that the, the funding request of $1.6 billion is something that we need to push and work on in Congress to make this happen. Our president wants this to happen. As mentioned, we got uh, Representative Adderhold who's, Adderhold, who's in a perfect position to help, and Senator Shelby here in Alabama. So the stars have kind of lined up. The timing is good. We're going to do our best to make that happen. This is a bipartisan issue, issue something we all believe in. And uh, you know, being on strategic forces along with Representative Brooks, we know space uh, it should be a friendly place, but it's not always, and our peer adversaries in Russia and China have been working very hard to catch, surpass us in areas, and, and frankly, we need to stay on top. It's where we should be. It's where we belong, and this is a great step in that direction. So we want to help President Trump see his dream of an American astronaut planting a flag eventually on Mars, and this is the first step. So thank you for letting me join you today. Just let know Tennessee's got your back. We'll be here for you, and thank you so much for enduring the hot sun. Representative Scott Desjardins, thank you so much. Um, so now I want to take a moment and introduce you uh, to the woman who is ultimately going to be managing the program on behalf of NASA and on behalf of the United States of America. Um, Lisa Watson Morgan is somebody 
um, who uh, hails from northern Alabama, as, of course, uh, my good friend Mo Brooks uh, recently said. And um, I, I will say that um, she, she, uh, she, she comes from Alabama. She's risen through the ranks um, at the Marshall Space Flight Center. Um, and Jody Singer, who, of course, is the center director here in northern Alabama at the Marshall Sp Space Flight Center, is the one who uh, ultimately suggested maybe she ought to uh, apply for this job. She has a lot of credibility with the highest people um, at NASA, and, uh, and we're very proud of her, and we're looking forward to the great work that she does. Lisa, if you'd like to come forward and say a few words. Thank you very much. Get this out. That's better. So I'm really happy to be here today, and it's so nice to see such, you know, friendly faces in the audience, although they're definitely hot faces. And really want to thank everybody here, the esteemed, you know, folks back here for coming and making this day so special for all of us. Uh, earlier we were talking about, you know, why Marshall Space Flight Center for the program lead. We've partnered extensively with all the other NASA centers through the years, and we intend to keep doing that because that's how we bring out the best. You let JSC work the crew module. You let Marshall lead in the propulsion areas, and then you let Glenn lead in the power systems. Everybody, you know, you let Langley lead where in LIDAR, in areas where, they're, where they have the expertise. And that's what we plan to do. We're also going to do this with an industry-led concept. And that's kind of new for us, too. In the past, typically, we've had a government reference design. And we've handed that over to commercial and then, you know, and let them prime it. And we're doing it a little differently this time. So it ought to be quite exciting. What we plan to do is collaborate with industry and bring their speed and our experience to try to have the best team that can make this 2024 goal. And so I'm very excited, again, to be part of this, to lead this effort, have a great team, have the Deputy Greg Shavers right here with us, have Logan Kennedy in here, lots of people. And I want to thank everybody for making this event happen today, too. So I know there was a lot of planning uh, with respect to that. So thank you for coming, and we look forward to seeing the results in a few years. Well, thank you, Lisa, for those great words uh, and your leadership, and we look forward to the great things that you have before you. Um, John Honeycutt is here as well, and uh, John is... Uh, the manager of the SLS program that is going to be the big rocket that takes our astronauts uh, to the moon. But what I'd like to do now with the few minutes we have remaining is just open it up to members of the media. I know there's a lot of media interest here and, and have you ask questions. And of course, um, I will, we have a microphone over here. I'm being directed that we should have the media go to the microphone. And yes, if you will just, uh, if you will just ask one question so other people have time to ask a question just step to this mic uh state your name and affiliation and you if you have someone in particular you want to answer that question so they can come up thank you hi uh administrator this is lee roop with al.com appreciate you doing this so lawmakers in texas wrote you a letter yesterday and just basically asked you not to do what you just did um can you give me your response to that what do you what do you think about what you read 
Yeah, so, I mean, I, I understand um, some of their concerns, um, but I, I think it's also important to note, um, and I think uh, Representative Brooks said it well, um, this, is a, this is about 363 total jobs, 140 uh, of which will be here in Huntsville. Um, 87, is that right, Lisa? 87 would be let out of the Johnson Space Center, which is why we invited them. We want them to be here to celebrate in this. Um, NASA has a very different look today than it did in the 1960s. In the 1960s, if a center led a mission, that center led the mission. Well, today we have telecommunications and the ability to work remotely and um, networks where we can share data and information. Um, and the way we work today is we share um, with all of the centers. And I think um, Lisa said it correctly and Mo Brooks brought it up. Um, this is going to require the absolute best minds from all across NASA and all across industry. And I think it's important to note uh, that Johnson Space Center, uh, when it comes to human-machine interface, when it comes to um, all of the great capabilities that they have throughout time, um, with the astronaut corps being headquartered there, um, there's going to be lots of opportunity for them in this program. Um, it is also true that uh, the Johnson Space Center um, is also leading the Gateway Program. The Gateway Program is that space station in orbit around the moon that is a, uh, think of it as a command module in orbit for 15 years, a reusable command module. That is a big program. And so Johnson has some amazing work, of course, 20 years of the International Space Station and um, commercial resupply is managed from there as well and, and so many other things. Um, so we love the work Johnson does. Um, and certainly we love the history of Johnson as well. And what I want to make sure we don't do is create some kind of uh, narrative that this is us against them or anything like that. Um, <laughs> when we go to the moon, there's going to be plenty of work for Johnson. The question is, uh, are they going to be able to handle everything as well? Because there's more work now than we have people ready to go, um, and that's an important thing. The president has been very clear. He's bringing NASA back. His budget requests are matching the rhetoric and we are moving out rapidly. It's also important, I think, um, to remember that um, we, we are not declaring where the work has to be done. We're doing this very differently. We want industry to share with us what their ideas are and let them build their landing systems. And of course, um, that doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> that, that all, all of those landing systems are gonna be built in Alabama. So um, I, I really think this is a great day for the Johnson Space Center, and I mean that with, with, with uh, that is, this is, that's why we invited the members of Congress and the senators from Texas to be here because they're going to have a big role ultimately in this in this capability as well, um, and and I, I hope I hope they know uh, how important they are as well. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Administrator Dan Schaefer with Way Thirty One. You mentioned that you invited the Texas representatives here, but obviously conspicuous by his absence. Why didn't Babin accept? Why isn't he here? I would, I, I would defer um, that question to him. I honestly don't know. Uh, but certainly uh, this is a good day for, for Houston as well. You say there's no tug of war, but there sure appears to be. Well, I, 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 again, I, I don't think that's the right, the right way to look at it. Um, but certainly I, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to share with everybody the great work that's being done at Johnson. All right, one other quick question. What set Huntsville and Marshall Space Flight Center apart specifically from Johnson when it comes to the Lunar Lander program? So this is important. When we talk about going from the gateway down to the surface of the moon and then back to the gateway, you know, if we're going to go to the moon and have it be a sustainable program, we got to have a lander. <laughs> 
And ultimately that lander going from the gateway down to the moon and back to the gateway, in most conceptual designs, that requires three elements. A transfer module to get from the gateway down to low lunar orbit, a lander to go down to the surface of the moon, and then an ascent module to get back, uh, no kidding, uh, to the gateway. So that's three elements. Two of those elements are highly focused on propulsion. And I would argue that uh, when it comes to uh, propulsion, there is, there is no place in the world that is more experienced and better than the Marshall Space Flight Center. So the propulsion elements are the key elements that have the preponderance of the, the assets to achieve the goal that we're trying to achieve. It is absolutely true that when you think about um, the module where our astronauts will be, that cannot be done without the Johnson Space Flight Center, which is why there are going to be 87 full-time equivalent jobs there for that program at the same time. So this is an all of NASA approach. This is one NASA. We are all working to achieve the same goal. Um, and, and this is good for not just all of NASA, but all of America. And we're, we're excited about that. Mr. Brunstein, Liz Hurley, WAFF, welcome back to Huntsville. The last time you were here at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center with the Vice President, you basically gave Marshall a lip lashing as well as its contractors. Get on board, get SLS moving, or else we'll find someone who will. Where did you find SLS, the situation at Mishu, and what has changed your mind in the last five months to not only go this far today to actually add yet another duty onto the Marshall Space Flight Center. So as you, as you correctly identified, I was down at Mishu just yesterday, um, and what I saw there was absolutely eye-watering. Um, it is true we had the challenge with the SLS rocket with the engine section, which is the most complicated uh, challenge. It's where the, the avionics are, the controllers, all those things inside the engine section. Um, of the SLS rocket, and and that was the that was what was holding up the SLS rocket. The hydrogen tank behind us would be on top of that engine section, and before we can in integrate the, the the hydrogen tank, the inner tank, the oxygen tank, the forward skirt, before we can integrate any of that, we have to have that engine section complete. In other words, the engine section was placed in the critical path to achieving the goal. And what we said is, what if we take the engine section out of the critical path? And instead of integrating it vertically, we integrate it horizontally. So we bought some more tooling, um, and the engineers and the technicians got to work down at Mishu, and they have now integrated four-fifths of the rocket in the horizontal. The integration in the horizontal is complete. The last section, the engine section, is going through some final tests this week, maybe a little bit next week, and then it will be integrated into the rocket itself, and then we will have 100% of the rocket integrated, the, the, the core stage of that rocket integrated, uh, then we've got to work on integrating those RS-25 engines, which are the space shuttle main engines reconfigured um, with, with some digital controllers. Once that is complete, by the end of this year, we will be taking that to Stennis for testing of the full core stage, and that will be an exciting day. But know this, there has been a major transformation from where we were to where we are today, and we are confident that when we land on the moon in 2024, it will be because the SLS rocket has made so much amazing progress. A lot of people would look at those in back of you, Mr. Administrator, and say this isn't just about the propulsion that Marshall offers. It's about politics and purse strings. What would you say to that with the absence of Congressman Babin? I, well, first of all, it, it, there, there is no doubt. Uh, in the history of NASA, we have had starts and stops and starts and stops. And the difference is we've got great plans, we've got great engineering, we've got great programs. And at the end, 
um, the money doesn't materialize. Without the resources, there can be no Artemis program. We are sending a woman to the moon in the Artemis program, Artemis named after the twin sister of Apollo. And now when we go to the moon, we have this highly diverse, highly qualified astronaut corps where we can go to the moon with all of America. That's something that's exciting. And I don't think that's partisan. I don't think it's political. I think it's important for our country. I want my 11-year-old daughter to see herself as having all of the opportunities I saw myself as having. And since 1972, we have not had a person on the moon and we have never had a woman on the moon. Now we've got these astronauts that are highly qualified and some of them happen to be female. We're very excited about it. So I'm sorry, but I think that's all the questions we have time for today. Uh, thank you, Administrator thank you so much for coming here today and this wonderful announcement. Thank you guys so much Thank for being so here. It's a good day here. for America, and, and we look forward to great things in the future. Thank you. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.